I'm telling you to back down. And I'm telling you that I will never back down. Then I'll make you. Oh, really? How are you going to do that? Through the use of force. That is very general and does not scare me in the slightest. I will fight you. Nope. Okay, fine. Good. A duel. The winner gets Angela. Fine. Fine. This is nuts. What is your weapon? Okay, you know what? That's enough. Because... Hey, this is none of your business. Hey, it is my business when it happens at work. Guess what? Not happening at work. Yes. We're going to do it outside. Outside of none work. None of your business. None of your business, then. Good. So what weapon? My bare hands. That is stupid. I will use a sword and I will cut off your bare hands. Then I'll get something, too. Angela, you have to put a stop to this right now. I will respect the results of the duel. Of course you will. I call loser. This is the bad place. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrook. And I know I said this last time, but... Welcome to hell. I did not say that last time. Uh, what... I was going to say was, I've watched this episode twice, and I really don't remember what happened in it. Let's jump in. We are on episode 17 of season 5, Her Handsome Hero. Or chapter something of book something. Look, we're in hell. It's the hell season. We're in the hell season. Book 8, The Not-So-Good Place. It's a Gaston episode. Remember Gaston from the, like... Five seconds he was in this show. It's okay, we'll watch it so you don't have to. As a reminder, we last saw Gaston going to rescue Belle from Rumpel's castle, but Rumpel turned him into a flower. Thus, a rose. A rose, thus killing him. I guess. I mean, it's a cut rose, so. Yeah, he's dead. That's how he died. What an embarrassing way to die. Being turned into a rose. Yeah, I got turned into a flower. So did his kingdom just, what do they think happened to him? Because in this continuity, Gaston is royalty because everyone's royalty in this continuity, so. Well, I mean, I assume they think accurately that Rumpelstiltskin killed him because he was going off to Rumpelstiltskin's castle to rescue Belle. You'd think that would start an international incident. Well, Rumpelstiltskin's not a sovereign. He's just a super powerful monster. Mm. And... Nobody's going to march on his castle because unlike the Disney Beauty and the Beast movie, he is way overpowered and everyone knows it. That guy who the dresser fell on in the animated Beauty and the Beast is definitely dead, right? You don't survive having a dresser jump up and down on your head. That's something that kills you. Doesn't he pop out from inside of the dresser? Uh, does he? I'm pretty sure he does. He's just lucky he's in a cartoon. I'm sorry, we're trying to just avoid talking about this episode because it's not, it's not. It's fine. Well, I don't want to say it's fine. I, I don't, I was going to say it's not bad, but that's not true because it's boring and we don't really remember it. Oh, I don't really remember it. I shouldn't speak for you. Like, I remember stuff about it, but. We it... like literally just watched this. Yeah. All right. So, in this episode, we're going to flash back to when Belle first met Gaston. So, before all of the events of the Beauty and the Beast story. Yes, this is before the ogres invaded her kingdom and killed her mother. Not that we're going to see her mother in this story. Yeah, I was going to say, her mother is not around, and they kind of talk about her like she's dead, but we know she's not dead. We know she dies in the Ogre War. Yes, because this very clearly takes place before the ogres invade. So her mother should be alive, but she's not in this episode, and they talk around her in a very awkward manner. I think that they felt like the story worked better if she was dead, if Belle was, like, bringing up lessons that her dead mother told her. And so they figured some people would be jumping in at a place where they wouldn't know how Belle's mother died, so they could kind of have it both ways. I think this episode kind of needed Belle to not have someone she could get good advice about dudes from. There was a meme going around a while ago that was about how all Disney movies would end really quickly if there were mothers. Mm. Okay, little side thing. Let, let's see which Disney movies did have mothers. Sleeping Beauty had a mother and a father who didn't raise her. She, Sleeping Beauty had three mothers and they did everything. 
Sleeping Beauty is really about the mothers. Yeah. Like, Sleeping Beauty is really the MacGuffin of Sleeping Beauty, and it's just about a bunch of witches at war. Yes. Which, which is, is why, awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid movie. It very, very passes the Bechdel test. Okay, but going through the other classic Disney princess movies, Snow White does not have a mother. Cinderella doesn't. Cinderella famously does not have a mother. Ariel's mom got run over by a boat. That is correct. Jasmine doesn't have a mother. Uh, Tiana does have a mother, but she's not in the plot very much. Does Mulan have a mother? Yes, Mulan has uh, two parents and a grandparent. Oh, okay. And Mulan is also a story where the action doesn't come from something that a mother would be like, no, don't do that. Actually, what's kind of interesting is that a lot of the Disney movies that have living mothers have the princess's relationships with their fathers be more important. Because Mulan takes her father's place in war. Oh, and Tiana's movie's all about her relationship with her dead father. Interesting. I'm thinking about how you have these girls who are adrift, who don't have who don't have a foundation that keeps them in the home, as it were. Mm. And so they go off and have adventures. And so for the story structure to work, they need to not have that, like, ancestral continuity and kind of society holding them back. They have to go out and have their adventures. Mulan, though, not only goes out and has adventures while having a living family, but is supported by literally the spirits of her ancestors. Well, the spirits of her ancestors don't want her to die. I don't know how supportive they're actually being. You, you do remember the bit where they're all having arguments about which part of the family she gets her willfulness from. Yeah, but at the end of the day, they are supportive of it. At the end of the day, they want her to survive so there'll be more ancestors at some point. She has the dragon spirit. Oof. You saw that thing about how she is the dragon spirit? I did. I did. Because, let's be clear, Mushu... Not super helpful. Mushu is the worst part of that movie. He makes it almost unwatchable to me. But I don't know. Maybe I'm saying this as an adult coming back and watching it. I know he's the part that's funny to children of an otherwise pretty dark movie. I have pretty strong memories of typically disliking the funny sidekicks as a kid. The funny animal sidekicks. That was... I always felt condescended to as a kid. It's pandering. It's, It's like how... I mean, you got it in one. Kids don't like feeling like they're being talked down to, and that's what a lot of talking in. We really don't want to talk about this episode. We're like five seconds into this episode. Also, iconically, Belle has a dead mother. So anyway, speaking of society trying to hold you back from adventures. Speaking of Jasmine, which we were briefly earlier. You know what? I kind of wanted to touch on that because Jasmine isn't the one who goes on adventures in that story. Unlike most Disney movies, the protagonist of Aladdin is Aladdin. She does sort of kick things off though you know who has a mother who rapunzel rapunzel yes rapunzel has a birth mother and a mother who is mother gothel Mm. yeah who holds her back from adventures merida has a mother too who is also kind of holding her back from adventures i mean that is kind of the i don't know i feel like merida's mother is more like I, i feel like brave is fundamentally different from the other disney stories well I feel like Brave is about responsibility in a way other Disney movies aren't. Other Disney movies are about following your heart, blah, 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 dreams, blah, blah, blah. But Brave is like, no, you have responsibilities. There are things you are going to need to do, and they're not going to be fun things, but they are important things, and you will need to do them. It's funny. It's not a story you get in American movies a lot. Yeah. I mean, Princess and the Frog kind of touched on that a bit. Did, did you see? You... Yeah, I know. And it's sad that, like, the first black princess, and it had to be about, you know... Institutional racism? Yeah, why doesn't she get to follow her dreams? She does. I mean, she does. She built a restaurant. So, did he... Did, did Naveen abdicate the throne to work in her restaurant? Is that how that went down? No, I think he's just doing that until he takes over. And then she's going to have to give up her restaurant, or... Also, World War II is coming, but we can't think about that too hard. Actually, Naveen might have to abdicate his throne when he marries her because she's... A commoner. American. Yeah. So... I don't know what the rules are in Naveen's made-up country. Yeah. I know this is... 
yet another side thing, but I love what they did with Charlotte because it would have been so easy to take her in the direction you assumed they were going to take her in from looking at the poster, but she's such a fun character. You know, it's interesting too because it's actually a really accurate depiction of how crews work in New Orleans, in Mardi Gras. Hmm. I mean, it is a very, very sanitized version of how that sort of relationship between those two people would go. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, the crews are the ones who run the who run the parades. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they're run like their own little monarchies. So having Tiana be a princess makes a lot of sense if you're going to put it in New Orleans. And also, there's a lot of racial stuff with the crews. So it all kind of fits in New Orleans. Okay, so back to Jasmine which is to say back to Belle, Belle was going to go riding with her father, but uh uh-oh, it looks like he's got another suitor for her, and she's sick of suitors, and she's going to stick her tiger on them because she's being Jasmine here. Yeah, yeah, she's no prize. Wait, is it, I will not be one? Yeah, I'm no prize to be one, or... Whatever Jasmine says. And then she lets those birds out. Those birds are going to die. Belle's father wants her to get married because, you know, there's a war with the ogres coming, which we know. And so he wants to shore up their defenses by having her marry the son of... Lord Legume. Yeah, the Bean King. I want to know more about the Bean King. That seems like a name you earn, just not a name you get. I wonder if they are the ones who produce magic beans. Huh. Yeah, I wonder if that's their kingdom's main export. Well, before the giants took them all. Exactly. We're coming up with other stories because we don't want to talk about this basic non-story, which is Belle meets Gaston, and... She's all, I don't want to meet him. He's supposed to be vain and hungry for ladies to kiss, I guess. I mean, I guess people have sex in this. It's it's a Disney universe where people have sex, so Gaston is a player in this universe. He's so vain, he probably thinks this episode's about him. Honestly, though, the actor they have playing Gaston is too attractive. Really? I mean, he's kind of Luke Evansy. I mean, which makes no, sense. He does kind of look like Luke Evans. No, but this is what I mean. He's charming, attractive in a way that I'm into and not bulky, handsome in the way Gaston should be. He's a ladies' man, not a man's man, and Gaston should be a man's man. Exactly. That's a, Yes, exactly that. Yes, this is a Gaston that is made for women, which I guess makes sense because because this episode, the first half of it before the twist, is about rehabilitating Gaston's image. He was actually a nice guy who was in love with a girl who was also in love with him. Yeah, because Belle's like, oh, I don't want to see him. I've heard things about him. And then he comes in and he's like, hi, I'm handsome, but if you want me to leave, I'll leave. And she's like, oh, I, I didn't realize you were so considerate. I guess I can bone you a little bit. And they wander off into the woods to, I don't know, court one another. Yes, to court. And how Belle has decided that she is going to work with Rumpelstiltskin because he is a evil, awful person, but he does generally get what he wants. And what he wants right now is the safety of her child. Her child that he sold, you know, before they'd ever met. Yeah. Probably before she was born. Definitely before she was born. Yeah, so he sold Mila's child. She tells him that she wants him to help her break the contract with Hades that will give Hades her unborn child, but she doesn't want him to use dark magic because that would be wrong. Yeah, he can't use dark magic or do anything underhanded to stop this. And he's like, didn't we have a conversation last episode about how I'm never going to change, I'm always going to be the guy who does bad things. And she's like, yeah, but don't. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. He's like, well, that's what my power is. I don't know what you think I'm going to do if it's not use dark magic. But she's teaming up with him under the assumption that he'll, for some reason, not do the thing he always does. So good luck with that, Belle. In the graveyard, Hook... Emma and Snow are looking at the gravestones with their names on them. Well, the gravestones with Regina, Snow, and Emma's names on them. Hook's already dead. They should have left him dead. Emma is going to try to erase the names off the gravestones by shooting light magic out of her hand. But there is a storm coming. 
something that Hook notices because he is a sailor, but also because there's a giant cyclone behind them. Yeah. Thanks, Captain Obvious. This is that thing they do with Hook where he's constantly, oh, my, I know how maps work because I'm a pirate. I can sense when a storm's coming because I'm a pirate. My pirate sense is tingling. I haven't stepped on a boat in like four seasons, but being a pirate is like a superpower or something. I don't know. But the cyclone barfs out a mysterious creature which tackles Mary Margaret to death. As the camera goes handheld to let you know that it's super scary. And then Emma wakes up. It was all a dream. Oof. Or was it something more than a dream? Is Emma tapping into her on-again, off-again Buffy prophecy powers? They were even in a graveyard. It was very Buffy, actually. Speaking of, does, did Rumpelstiltskin lose the precognition thing? Because it feels like it's been a while since he's brought it up. And it was sort of, it wasn't part of him being the dark one. It was a whole separate thing. Well, it comes and it goes, you know? So we can just ignore it for four seasons and say that it went. But now Emma's having prophecy dreams? Is this, I, I was going to say, is it an after effect of her being the dark one? But it's not a dark one thing. It's a savior thing. She has prophecy dreams because she's the savior. Has that been established? No. Huh. I mean, I guess it's not that out of the ordinary. I mean, it's a savior thing. It's part, it's a general part of the Chosen One narrative. Buffy had it. Harry Potter had it. And this is the thing that you and I were talking about off mic earlier, about how stories will sometimes use tropes in place of writing. So instead of establishing that Emma occasionally has prophecy dreams, we just accept that she does because she's the savior and it's a trope with saviors that they have prophecy dreams. Mm. Speaking of, you were talking about the Charmed reboots coming up, and you were talking about being happy that uh, Phoebe doesn't have the, or new Phoebe. She has an M name. They all Maybe. have it. That she apparently has telepathy instead of prophecy. You think that's better for the narrative? Yeah, I do think it's better for the narrative. Because for a story to work, the end can't be predetermined. So if your power is prophecy, it either has to be a prophecy that you are averting or so vague that it's useless, which makes it not an active power. And so if that's what the story is, like early edition, if the story is you get the prophecy and then you go about averting it, that's one thing. But if you're an action trio and one person's job is to start the story and then has nothing to contribute, it's not a good position to be in. And then you do weird things like make her be... A beloved advice columnist who gives the world's worst advice. What do you think about the... uh, Love is your power. Ugh. What do you think about uh, the Cordelia thing in Angel? Because Angel sort of had a really similar premise to Charmed at the beginning. I know it was Doyle's thing at first, but... Um, I think the difference there is that Cordelia wasn't intended to be a co-action chick. Cordelia was there to be go do this and then yeah it, it her her position was the voice of reason cordelia was always the person who knows things and then she became the person who knows things all caps that is kind of interesting how her getting the whole uh, the visions thing was sort of an extension of her being an awful awful person back in buffy tact is just not saying true things yeah yeah god i love cordelia I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, but one of the best things about Angel is that they took characters from Buffy who, because of the structure of Buffy, were kind of not allowed to grow up and let them mature as characters. Like Wesley? Like Wesley, like Cordelia, to some extent like Angel, although I really think they kind of completely changed what his character was on Angel. Well, they kind of had to. He was the mysterious guy who showed up, made out with Buffy sometimes, and then sometimes fought by her side. Like, you can't build a show out of a guy who shows up sometimes. Also, who's meant to be, like, an eternal teenager. Yeah, that... Sorry, David Boreanaz, but that that's not... That wasn't happening. Oh, my God. He was Tuxedo Mask. He was Tuxedo Mask. He was the teenage heroine's inappropriately older boyfriend who would just kind of show up sometimes. But you didn't do anything. Spike didn't really get to grow up. No. That's okay. People ended up liking his poetry at the end. Harmony Harmony didn't get to grow up either, but that's okay. I love Harmony. That's the thing about Harmony. Like, 
I don't think her character would have worked with growth. Becoming a vampire was the right move for Harmony because she was never going to grow out of high school. What? That's such a good point. I think, by the way, I'm trying to think if this is accurate. I believe Harmony and Angel are the only two characters who appear in both the first episode of Buffy and the last episode of Angel. It's true. Is that accurate? I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. Angel and Harmony are the two characters who show up at the beginning of Buffy and at the end of Angel. They're the C-3PO and R2-D2 of the Buffyverse. Oh my god, they are. I have to rethink everything I know about Buffy now. I really don't want you to cut tangents out of this episode. (laughs) I'm not going to. Well, I mean, I will cut some, but not. We're not releasing a three hour long episode. So... Hook's like, this is the first time you've slept since you got to hell. What's what's wrong? And she's like, I don't want to sleep. In- Look, I can sleep when we get out of hell. We just need to get out of hell and then I'll sleep. She'll sleep when she's dead. She'll sleep when she's not dead anymore. Do people in hell need to sleep? Okay, this is the thing, because they will determine that people are alive by taking their pulse in hell. So do dead people not need to sleep then if... I would assume dead people would not need to sleep. Honestly, I would think that would be one of the tortures in this in-between place. Not sleeping. Your brain doesn't get a chance to, like, reset all of the events, all of the experiences you've had. They've discovered that the elevator in the library will bring them to Hades' secret hell office, but they don't know how to open it because someone scribbled all over the elevator. No, uh... Regina put those scribbles on it. Regina drew a bunch of runes on it so that she and Emma could blast it with magic. Ah. Uh, yeah. So the two of them start working together. These are random runic shapes, by the way. The, yeah. This doesn't actually mean anything. A different show, a, a show that cares more about attention to detail, would have had actual meaningful runes. That is not what's happening here. No, they just Googled runes on the internet. And... You know, I didn't bring this up before. But earlier, when Hades was holding up the contract that gives him the rights to Rumpel's second-born son, the word contract is written in runic script that also means nothing. But, you know, shows that it's magic. Mm. So, the elevator door opens to- Oh my god. What? Elevator. Yeah. The elevator door opens to reveal a brick wall because Hades is smarter than them. And Emma's like, well, luckily I had a psychic dream that revealed the spell that'll take our names off the gravestones. They're very big on we need to defeat Hades and escape from hell. You don't need to defeat Hades. You just need to escape from hell. Just go home. Just figure out how to go home. So Emma is going to use the spell she used in her dream, which seemed to be shooting light magic out of her hands. Presumably it had some other components that we were not privy to. But she's going to use that to erase the names off the gravestones, and she's bringing Hook with her. And Mary Margaret insists on coming. Emma's not big on that, because in the psychic dream she had, Mary Margaret got attacked by the blurry thing, but Mary Margaret's like, you know how I work. If you don't want me to come... I'm definitely going to come. Yeah, so David takes the only competent character, Henry, and heads back to the loft. Meanwhile, Regina is going to seek out her sister. Who is wandering out and about the town. We're just layers of stalking because Hades is stalking, uh, Hades is stalking after Zelina. He's having a sad while leaning against a building. Ah, but his sad is interrupted by an even bigger sad because he sees a flower growing out of a crack in the concrete, the universal sign of hope, (gasps) which you know is not supposed to exist here in this not-quite-hell, mid-hell, purgatory. He can't have things growing in hell because... I don't know. No, no, it's not that it's growing. It's that it's growing up out of the concrete. I'm serious. That is the universal symbol of hope. Okay, but his whole thing last episode was boo-hoo, hell is a terrible place to live because nothing grows in hell. And now something's growing in hell and he's like, oh no, something's growing in hell. I must be losing my power over the realm, but I thought the reason you wanted to escape hell was because it was a terrible place to live. What, what, what? Huh. 
let's just accept his motivation because let's just move on with the story. Yes, he is seeking out Gaston, who works in a pet shop. I wonder if he this works is... in the. No, it's the pet hospital that. Oh yeah, it's it's David's bird hospital. Right. So, Hades is recruiting Gaston to hunt Rumpel. Which makes sense, right? Rumpelstiltskin flat out killed Gaston. So, yeah. Yeah. I would want to kill him too. Hades is giving him anti-Dark One tipped arrows. Yes, to give him his shot at revenge. Ugh. Yeah. And he tell he tells Gaston that it's because Rumpelstiltskin is bringing hope to the people. Things only decay. It's our decay from la- from last week. From last yeah. week. But thanks to the new arrivals, hope has taken root. Is Hades speaking entirely in puns? He's speaking entirely in metaphors. Yeah. And when hope takes root, then souls move on, and he can't have that. We've already accepted that it's some sort of point system where he needs the most souls. So, okay, if people have hope, they move on. Although, wouldn't you think people would have to give up hope in order to move on? Because isn't hope part of what's tying you to the real world? Yeah, that's what we assume. That's why we assumed he built that phone that lets you call living people to keep them stuck in this limbo if people stopped having hope then when yeah you're right they'd move on so i feel like not a lot of thought was put into the cosmology of once upon a time's afterlife but yeah he's giving gaston the ability to hunt rumpel because taking out rumpel will benefit him somehow i don't know Back in the flashback, Gaston and Belle are on a hike, and Gaston is totally negging Belle. He's like, wow, I'm impressed at how far you could walk for a girl. He doesn't say for a girl, but that's implied, right? Your weak lady legs have carried you very far. And Belle's like, so I hear you've got, like, a major case of the herp, and you've made it your mission to spread it to anything with two legs in the kingdom. And he's like, uh, people exaggerate... I have friends who think it's funny to tell embarrassing stories about me. I, I'm a guy and I have guy friends. But he's wearing a, a pretty good take on the Gaston outfit. Well, I mean, it basically is the Gaston outfit. It's the red riding jacket with the leather collar. He doesn't have the sleeves all rolled up, though. I'm guessing this actor is not rich in body hair. He goes on this whole not-like-other-girls thing with her, where he has dated a lot, but it's only because he's looking for a girl with substance. Guys, he's a sapiosexual. Belle, run! He's attracted to her because she's not like other girls, which I guess is sort of present in the original Beauty and the Beast. It is. It definitely is. Also, it's totally a thing that guys say to girls all the time, and... It's terrible. Girls should not fall for it. Although in the original Beauty and the Beast, not the original Disney Beauty and the Beast, not the John Cocteau original Beauty and the Beast. Or the original French fairy tale Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. The big thing in the Disney movie, I always got the impression, was that Gaston wants Belle because she's the one woman in town who doesn't want him. It's not that she's particularly more beautiful than anyone else, because it's Disney, they all have the same face, but that... She doesn't want him, and that's why he wants her. That makes sense. And that's really not present here, because he's a hunter. He's after the hunt, and you can't hunt an animal that's sticking its head in your lap, so to speak. That was, that was, that was really um crude. That was very crude, Max. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it, it was not intentional. <laughs> that was not intentionally crude. I'm sorry about that. But the two of them having their date is interrupted when they happen upon an ogre hole who's being crude now (laughs) an ogre who has been who has fallen into a pit trap this is somehow bell is good at telling this sort of thing just visually this is a child ogre he's a sad ogre he has a pathetic puppy dog face and gaston's like well should be easy to kill this dude seeing as he's in a hole and all and bell's like no We have to find another way. And he's like, so wait, are ogres sapient or not? Because, like, I got the impression that they're 
just killing machines that kill everyone all the time but is that propaganda are, are we going to go into this and Bell's like no shut up shut up i'm just going to get a magic device that will answer all of my questions so that we can move forward yes i just don't want you killing this thing all willy-nilly i'm going to get a magical device that will tell me if it's good or not and then you can kill it we cut from that to bell in the present in rumple's shop in hell looking through the books trying to find a light magic way to defeat the devil okay although i would think that really only light magic would be what would defeat the devil hmm well okay we can't get into this i was like because it's like i mean lucifer is the bearer of light but as he went out of his way to establish he's not lucifer yeah i was i was honestly being a little um contrary calling him the devil because i mean come on okay my question here is well first of all why would rumple have books full of light magic and second of all wouldn't those books inspire hope doesn't hades not want people to have hope or but also shouldn't intent i mean the a shouldn't intent matter and b from what we've seen it sort of feels like what makes something light or dark is the emotion you use to power it light magic is powered by love even if it hurts people dark magic is powered by anger even if it helps people except i guess not because there are specific light and dark magic spells and it's not like rumpelstiltskin's gonna stop being a hateful little troll it's literally the source of his power but bell starts telling rumpel about what we learned during the arthur season which is that there is a prophecy that someday someone will come who can wield the power of the Dark One without himself being dark. Wasn't that Emma last... That, that it was, was supposed to be Emma, right? That was supposed to be Emma. I mean... She did! Yeah, she will. She had the power of the Dark One and she mostly used it to help people. I mean, she was kind of a jerk doing it sometimes yeah. when they remembered. Sorry, Belle, that prophecy has been fulfilled and your boyfriend intercepted it oh your husband i guess Oof. yeah it's kind of funny because she's like wait i just realized all that stuff you told me last episode about not changing is true you're not going to change i'm not going to work with you anymore i'm leaving and as she leaves we see not the ironic archer an arrow flies at them not fired by the ironic archer or merida we've we've already seen this exact thing with merida But this time, it's Gaston. And instead of hunting uh, Belle to inspire... Heroism. Yeah, he's just straight up trying to kill Rumpelstiltskin. And Rumpelstiltskin reminds Gaston of what you, Max, like to remind these characters of. Pointy sticks are not effective against magical creatures, even when said pointy sticks have been dipped in the River of Souls. Because, you know, Rumpel just grabs it out of the air. But he does tell us that it's been dipped in the River of Souls, and so if it had pierced him, presumably it would, in fact, have killed him. Yeah. And Bell's like, wait, you don't have to do this. And Gaston's like, uh, he killed me, so yeah. And then Rumpelstiltskin teleports them away so that they can have their fight in peace without arrows being shot at them. And you know what this reminds me of? The, something you brought up when we were dealing with Mila a few episodes ago. Yeah? Because Belle's like, you killed Gaston, you killed my fiancé, and Rumpel's like, I kind of forgot that wasn't common knowledge. It's the same thing with Mila and Rumpel, where Hook is the only one who knows that Rumpel killed Mila. That's not a common knowledge thing. Yeah, people just need to assume that Rumpelstiltskin is evil. He, it, it, he has done the most evil thing. Don't assume people ghosted you. If you haven't heard from them in a while, Rumpelstiltskin probably killed them. Which brings up a good point. What did Belle think happened to Gaston? Yeah, seriously. I mean, she did go back to her castle. So Belle's like, Jesus fucking Christ, I don't want to deal with this. You know, just whatever. I, I, every time, every time I think I can work with you, some shit from our past comes up. I, I, I just can't anymore. And Rumpel's like, okay, but you're trapped in hell, and I'm the best chance you have of not losing our baby to the devil. In fact, he kind of gets Belle onto his side by saying that the devil sent Gaston after Rumpelstiltskin, knowing that Rumpelstiltskin's the one who could stop Hades. 
So she should definitely trust him because if Hades is coming after him, she's on the right track. And Bill's what like, a manipulator. And he's like, just let me use little dark magic. Just let me extra kill Gaston. And then we can move on with, you know, saving our baby. And she's like, no, we're going to get rid of Gaston by helping him move on. She also brings up that whenever people move on, it seems to make Hades weaker. So they should just help everyone move on and then they'll be done. And Rumpelstiltskin's like, we are way too far into the season for that to be our plan. Which is, I mean, that was legitimately where we thought this was going because they bring it up pretty early on. It would have been an interesting way to do the season. They could have kind of gone back to their story of the week structure like they had in season one. We could have gotten so many more fairy tale characters and let them move on. Yeah, and I know it's not the last season, but they could have done a sort of greatest hits thing like they did with the last season of Buffy. We could have seen characters who died who didn't get good endings get good endings. We could have got resolution for characters, but we don't. Marion could have gotten some resolution. That was a shitty way to die. In a retcon. Johanna could, uh, I guess there probably wouldn't be a good way to deal with Johanna. No, but yeah, we, yeah. So, back in the graveyard, it is the scene we've already seen before. Yep, it's the exact scene. And Emma's a little freaked out because it's exactly like it was in her dream. But she's casting that same light magic spell and Hook senses a storm with his pirate sense and they need to find shelter and emma's like why would you say that And he's like because there's a storm coming and we need to find shelter and she's like no that's the exact phrasing this is my dream except it wasn't a dream it was real and hook's like yeah didn't you assume that that's why you're trying that spell from the dream and then she's like okay the thing i didn't tell you was that in my dream i didn't have time to use the spell because we got attacked by a monster which would have been good information to have. Right? Come on. Emma wouldn't be a charming if she wasn't hiding relevant information from people who needed it. She is David's daughter. And Mary Margaret's like, ooh, I'll go look at the monster. Nothing bad ever happens to me. And Emma's like, no, don't run. Run. Well, I mean, essentially she's like, let's do not what we did in the dream. Since in the dream you got mauled. Mm. That's not a bad thought process. Is it not a bad thought process? I mean, it's not a bad thought process if your goal is for Snow White to not get mauled. Mm. Yeah. In Anya's diner, Zelina is sitting by herself, being Zelina, and Regina joins her at her booth. Zelina's like, so what did you do with my baby? And Regina's like, she's fine. She's in the woods getting hookworm with Robin. Hades will never find them in the woods. Yeah, I mean, I know he's kind of some sort of ruler in this magical realm, but surely he has no way to find people once they go into the woods. So Regina's like, look, look, we need, we're sisters. We need to stop trying to kill each other and just be fucking sisters. So tell me your backstory with Hades, because apparently there is one. And she's like, well, he, uh... Taught me how to ride a bike. He taught me how to ride a bike. We had a little romance, but I was afraid he would do what literally every person in my life has done and betray me. So I dumped him and now he's trying to win me back. Slash he possibly wants my baby for a spell. Regina keeps pressing Zelina to tell her what Hades' weakness is. And it's like, Regina, you were the one who was raised by Cora. Love is his weakness. Which... Zelina tells her, Zelina's like, so you're just here to find out what Hades' weakness is. And Regina's like, yeah. I thought I was pretty clear about that. I mean, I'm also here to be your sister, but I can do two things at once. I'm a multitasker. And Zelina's like, yeah, okay, I'm his weakness. Love is his weakness. Meanwhile, Hook, Emma, and Snow are hiding out in the crypts. Yeah, they're, are they in Regina's vault or just some random crypt? It is the set that is Regina's vault and the cracked mirror is in the background. So yes, except this is hell. So who knows what this is? So Mary Margaret's like, why wouldn't you let me look at the thing? And, and Emma says, because in my dream, it killed you. Which, why wouldn't you bring that up when she was so insistent on going? Right? Good information to have before we started this part of the quest. Back in the pet shop, 
Belle and Rumpelstiltskin are going through Gaston's stuff, trying to figure out how to let him move on. Belle, Belle says, by the way, she has arc words in just this episode, which is that you need to know a person's full story. Hmm. Which is kind of the theme of this show, to be honest. Yes, it should have come up. Those are fairly solid arc words. I know they've been relying on them less, but... You know, given that those are the arc words for this episode, and also kind of the mission statement of this show, it would have been nice if Gaston had ended up not being evil. You need to know someone's full story. And sometimes people's full stories are that they're dicks. (laughs) That they're evil dicks. Yep, sometimes it's vainglorious bastards all the way down. Speaking of, I kind of love how petty Rumpel's being here because he's like, hmm, you were big on the whole me not using my power for dark, uh, for evil stuff, but you don't seem to have any issues with using it to break into a dude's house and rifle through his stuff, or a dude's workplace in this case. Well, honestly, he shouldn't have stuff that's too personal in his work locker. That's just, that's just being a smart employee you shouldn't have personal stuff in your work locker you shouldn't have incriminating stuff in your uh uh personal rights whatever finds a book that she gave him and the book is her handsome hero which is of course the book that bell is reading in the disney movie to that sheep it's also the book whose story she describes Mm. in in song you mean the book that has the plot of aladdin the book that has the plot of the half-blood prince from harry potter Back in the flashback, the flashbacks have been really not that much this episode. It's just taking us a long time to get through this. Yes. So Gaston's like, reading about stuff is a good way to learn about things? What? Yes, Belle is going through the books in her library trying to find a magical way to find out if this ogre is good or bad. And she brings up the fact that her mother taught her to be a little Watcher Junior and find the information that she needs. And this is that instance we were alluding to before where it would make sense if her mother was dead, which we know she's not. She's talking about her in the past tense a lot, which is weird because she's not dead at this point. She's like, my mother was the one who taught me how to love books. Yeah. And Gaston's like, your mother sounds hot. Can I meet her? And Belle's like, Then Belle tries to get Gaston to stop interrupting her while she's doing important work. By handing him her handsome hero. Is this... I guess it's not the book she died for. No. In fact, it's funny that you bring that up because we criticized Belle for being willing to die to go back into the library and get a book. And it's as though she heard us because at the beginning of this scene, she's talking about how much important information is contained in these books and how they can use it to rescue themselves. So it's as though she heard us and is justifying it after the fact. She says this is the book that taught her how to fall in love with books. Yeah. And Gaston's like, this sounds like one of those, like... Chick books. A book you read in the bathtub. So this is a novel. Mm Mm-hmm. And originally, novels were considered feminine pursuits. Stories about love and romance. And that's, that's what a novel was. And in fact... People talked about novels when it, when they were first developed, the way they talk about reality television now, or about candles. No, no, it was it was the television. It was the newest entertainment that would rot your brain. Ah, uh. because they're fictional. But Gaston promises her that if this is her favorite book, he will read it. Yeah, she's like, no, it's not chiclet. It's like good. It teaches you about caring about other people and. You know, all that jazz, and Gaston's like, ooh, you're so smart and considerate of others. I find that really erotic. Now, I know I said chiclet first, but I just want to bring this up. When fiction is about a professor nailing his much-too-young student, it's called literary fiction. But when fiction is about things that are considered stuff women are interested in, all of a sudden it's chiclet. just want to throw that out there. I'm sorry, this is... Not to go off on academics, which I'm not going to, but it's such a thing. Whenever anyone's getting up on their high horse about real literature, I'm like, it's just dudes using metaphors to talk about their dicks. That's so much of the accepted Western canon. Yeah, the the canon of British literature is just filled with annoying white men. Mm. So Gaston uh, 
agrees to read her book, which gives her enough time to find the mirror that tells you whether or not people are evil. Well, a picture of the mirror that tells you whether or not people are evil. The mirror of souls. If someone's soul is evil, it will show you the evilness of their soul by making their eyes glow red. Yes. When someone is reflected in the mirror, if they are evil, their eyes will glow red with demonic fire. Yeah. Okay. So Gaston tells her to go get the mirror and he'll stand by the ogre hole and make sure the ogre doesn't get away. Okay, so I know we keep on interrupting the story for stuff, but you know what this made me think of? What? Well, this is a very black and white view on good and evil, which I know, Disney. But it made me think of the bit in Disenchantment, where the demon hunter is trying to kill uh, Bean and Elfo and... uh, Lucy. And Lucy. And, And he talks about how from his point of view, he's the good guy. Yeah, he's like, you'll never stop me. Oh, and by the way, from my point of view, I'm the good guy, so... Yeah! He's hunting a demon. A demon who has killed a fair number of people. And possessed a princess. Actually, Bean's killed a fair number of people, too. She was possessed by a demon. From the demon hunter's point of view. Yes. As Lucy says, I'm not a bad influence. I'm an enabler. In the pet hospital in hell, Hades is waiting for Belle to return and offer her a deal. Yes. She's like, look. I married a man who makes deals. This is not my first deal rodeo. I know how this sort of thing goes down. He's like, no, no, seriously. This is super fucking easy. All you have to do is stop interfering. Just let your boyfriends fight it out until one of them dies. All you have to do is nothing. Specifically, all you have to do is let one of them kill the other. As soon as one of them has killed the other, then our con- my contract with uh, Rumple will be null and void. You get to keep your stupid baby. Back in the Hell Vault, they're trying to figure out how to deal with the monster when Regina just shows up. And, she- and Hook-, Hook points a sword at her when she comes downstairs and she's like, Is the monster wearing high heels? Because I feel like that would have been a pretty good indicator that I'm not the fucking monster. But he manages to not stab her, and Regina says, I'm glad your reflexes are better than your sense of style. God, I love how hard Regina's coming at him right now. Regina is so mean to Hook. Could it be because Hook is in love with her girlfriend? Yes. Yes, that is why it is. Also, it is Hook's fault they're in this situation. On a couple of levels. So, Regina- she, she does refer to this as her vault, so, yeah. okay. Yeah, she's like, what are you doing in my vault? And Mary Margaret's like, there's something with sharp, pointy teeth out there that's trying to kill me. And Regina's like, don't we run at the things with sharp, pointy teeth? That's, like, our whole deal. But this is different because Emma had a dream that the thing with sharp, pointy teeth killed Mary Margaret. And Regina is still not seeing the issue. Well, Regina's like, you know... Sometimes dreams are used to help people work out their issues. And Emma's like, I don't have any issues. And Regina's like, really? Really? Awkward silence all around. So. And then Emma delves deep into her issues and talks about how she feels like it's her fault that they're all trapped in the underworld. And everyone's like, no, it's, it's Hook's fault. Yeah, she's like, it's all my fault. I brought everyone down here. It's my fault that we're all trapped down here. Why, what was I thinking? This whole scene feels like the writer's kind of apologizing for the core concept of this season. She's like, what was I thinking bringing everyone down here? That was so dumb. Why did but- I bring my 13-year-old son to hell? Which, I mean, we know it's because he's the only one who's competent. But, you know, looking at it objectively, yeah. And Mary Margaret has to be the one. She's like, up, oh, up, oh, chance to be a contrarian. You did it because it was your only choice. She's not even talking in words. She's just opening her mouth and cliches are spilling out. Like Yeah, but, you know, they're going to fight the monster together. and Because love is their power and love brought her here. And you have to do the things you have to do for the people in your life or whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Back in Rumpel's shop, Gaston has shown up with his magic bow and arrow you know it would have been helpful if hades had given him a bow and arrow that was faster than the dark one 
in addition to a bow and arrow that would kill the Dark One. Seems like you need both. Would have been good if he had one of those Robin Hood bows that always magically hits its target. That wouldn't have been effective, though, because Rumpelstiltskin still could have snatched the arrow from the air. Mm. You need one that's faster than his reflexes. Maybe Hades can't do that. Hades' power seems weirdly limited. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess Hades is more limited than Rumpelstiltskin. You know what makes a villain good is when he's powerless over the heroes. (laughs) God damn it. Anyway, Gaston shoots an arrow, but it's not Rumpel. It's just a mannequin that Belle has set up as a test. Because all she has to do is nothing, and she's going to fail at that. She's like, look, I'm going to help you move on so Hades will still have the rights to my baby. Like, seriously, you just need to get over stuff. But also, she's like, you were going to kill Rumpel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She's like, look. I found this book in your locker. That must mean that there's still something good in you. That Also, I gave you this book. So am I the thing that you need to move on? Am I your unfinished business? <laughs> and Gaston's like, you broke into my locker? Which is, I don't know why. That struck me as pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, we're in hell. That is the least of your worries right now. But he also tells Belle that, He isn't holding on to the book. He keeps throwing it away and it's haunting him. Because the book inspired him to try to rescue her and that's how he died. His love for her made him weak. Yeah, He's like, I'm a prince or something apparently. I could have gone after him with an army. But no, I read this book and I was like, oh wait. That, you know, plucky young hero always wins in this sort of situation. So I went and I got murdered. You're, it's your fault I'm dead. I feel like this is on Gaston. If, if reading a romance novel is going to make you not bring your army when you're facing the dark one, you are going to get killed by something soon anyway. Bill's like, but Rumble isn't your enemy. Hades is. And Gaston's like, Hades didn't kill me. Why aren't you pissed at Rumple? Rumple's the reason you're down here. And she's like, because he's my husband. And Gaston's like, Jesus fucking Christ. You mean I died for literally no reason? Yep. Yep. Weirdly enough, not thrilled about that. So he goes and he's like, yep, I'm going to go kill. Uh, I'm going to kill Rumple. Just try not to fuck this up for me. Back in the flashback, Belle has the mirror. We don't see any of what it took for her to get the mirror, but that's okay. Yeah, she found a picture of it in a book, and that was good enough for her to have it in the next scene she's in. We see her showing it to her father, so we see her father does not have glowing eyes in the mirror, despite the fact that he tried to erase her memory because he didn't like her boyfriend. Mm. And Belle and her father discover Gaston, injured, the ogre has escaped, everything is terrible, but it's okay because... Gaston is just happy that Belle's being all motherly to him. And now he has an excuse to kill an ogre. So I sort of feel like this is retconning what ogres are. Because one of the big things we had about ogres was that they're remorseless killing machines that don't stop until everyone's dead. I know that might have just been propaganda, I guess, but... Well, and this is a child ogre, so... I don't know. Who's making the ogre's pants? How sentient are they? Because Belle is immediately on the ogre side here. She's like, he was probably just defending himself. Come on. we, we Let's not go all half-cocked here. Yeah, yeah. Let's wait till we're fully cocked. And Gaston's like, don't worry. I'll make sure that your dad doesn't kill this ogre before we make sure it's evil. Okay. So I do like that back in hell, Belle has filled in Rumple with the deal. Instead of hiding it from him for no reason, like we would expect from this show. But Rumpel, uh, Rumpel has a kind of interesting reaction where he's like, oh, okay. And Belle's like, you're not going to kill him, right? Even though it'll free our baby from this. And he's like, Belle, you can trust me. And she's all, that's not really an answer. Yeah, men seem to tell Belle to just trust them a lot. And she's starting to realize that maybe men aren't being straight with her. And Rumpelstiltskin quotes St. Augustine. God, give me grace, but not today. Yeah, Belle's like, look, I fucked up with Gaston once, but just give me another chance and I'm sure I can get him to move on. And Rumpel's like, remember Merlin's prophecy about someone being being able to overcome the dark urges that come with being the dark one? I want to be that man for you. 
but not today. Rumble out, motherfucker! And he teleports away. I kind of love that. I do, too. <laughs> Especially because Belle is going back and forth on this a lot. She's changed whether or not she wants to work with Rumpel about five times in this episode alone. Yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know why she's on a we-can't-kill-people kick right now. Both in the flashback and in hell. You work with David, Bill. There's not really a high horse for you to get on. In the flashback, we see the men on their horses hunting the ogre. And Belle is trailing them, trying to keep them from hunting the ogre. Because, as I just said, she's on a not-killing-people kick this week. It's a very little thing. But I do like that they found her a horse that has the same markings as the horse from Beauty and the Beast. So they find the ogre and they're getting ready to kill it. Gaston does point out the canonical fact in this show that the only way to kill an ogre is to shoot it in the eye. And and then Belle decides that she's tired of being Jasmine. Now she's going to be Pocahontas. <laughs> but yes, Belle rips off a entirely new Disney princess. And but you know she's a real person. That's a real story that John Smith really made up. Yeah, I was about to say, she's a real person. That's not so much a real story. So Belle goes to defend the ogre and she holds up the mirror and she sees Gaston's reflection and he's got the glowing red eyes. Well, first Gaston shatters it so that she can't do that, but he pretends it's an accident. But, you know, there's still shards of glass and she can still see his red eyes in the shards of glass. And she's like, oh my God, the ogre's hurt. You tortured it in the pit and that's why it tried to kill you. And he's like, I didn't need a mirror to see a monster. And everyone together now. You're the real monster, Gaston. Got it in one. (laughs) Belle's like, it turns out you were the monster all along. And he's like, way to make the subtext of the Disney movie text. He doesn't read. She can say as many cliches as she wants. (laughs) So she's like, if you want to shoot him, you'll have to shoot me first. And he's like, what? Okay. Huh? Why, why are we saving an ogre? An ogre with a faux hawk. Also, like, the whole point of our arranged marriage was so that you could have an army to kill ogres. What is even happening? So, Gaston's like, okay. Uh, it's weird. The ogre nods to her before running off. So, are ogres sentient? Because that's... Uh... I don't know, but Gaston's like, well, I just sure hope that ogre doesn't come back and kill your mom later. Because that's definitely the ogre that killed her mom, right? Yeah, absolutely. Down in hell, we come in mid-fight with Rumpelstiltskin and Gaston, and Rumpelstiltskin is, like, way about to win because he's the dark one and Gaston is just a human with a bow and arrow. Yeah, he's force-choking Gaston and kind of telekinetically holding him up. He's doing a whole speech instead of just throwing him in the fucking river. This would all be over if he didn't have to be all monologue about it. But I guess that's the Dark One's weakness. Yeah, he's all like, you'll never be the hero that you, you know, read about in that book. And Gaston's like, but you'll always be a beast because you're the beast. You, you, you get it? You're the beast. It's Beauty and the Beast. And Belle shows up and she's like, no, wait, Rumpelstiltskin, I believe in you. You can be good. And she tries to give him true love's kiss and... Yeah. It works enough to distract him so she can take his dagger. You know, I kind of like Belle right now. It was a really good move. Yeah, she takes the dagger and she's like, I command you to stop being a dick. And he's like, Belle, you're making a big mistake. Just like that time you saved that ogre that, you know, killed killed your mom. Nice mirroring here, actually. Yeah. Honestly. And Gaston immediately picks up the bow and Bell knocks his ass into the Soul River. Yep! Bell kills Gaston. Twas Beauty killed the beast. Oh my god. So, back in the flashback, Bell's petting her horse and. She's brushing it down like a responsible horse owner. Yes. And her dad comes to be like, hey, hey, you know the way you let that ogre escape? Turns out it was a scout. Now the ogres know all of her defenses, and there's a whole bunch of people who are dead because of you. And she's like, maybe if we didn't torture every ogre we came across, the ogres wouldn't have declared war on us. And he's like, well, that's neither here nor there. And really, we're not going to think about that in any other stories involving ogres, because this episode does kind of go against what we've established with ogres, and who's the real evil, and blah, blah, blah. He's like, look, before... You know, before this whole thing went down, you had a choice as to who you were going to marry. But now, if we don't have his army, 
literally every man, woman, and child in this kingdom is going to die. So now you have to marry Gaston. And in that way, you could be a hero, which is a nice way to like plant that in her head so that she'll go off with Rumpelstiltskin when that happens. Okay, so did she just forget that she saw him with the evil eyes for the rest of this episode? Because it seems weird that she'd be all... Um, you mean in the present part of this episode? Yes. Yeah, it's like, that wasn't revealed to us until the end, but Belle should have already known that. Seriously. And and Gaston comes in and he's like, look, I'm still going to give you the option to not marry me. I mean, everyone in your kingdom will probably die if you don't, but like, I'm still giving you the option. And she's like, uh, fine, I guess I'll marry you. I mean, Gaston is apparently glowing eyes evil and wants to kill a bunch of helpless ogres but he's good on consent yeah unlike most people in this show back in hell bella's super sad about having just given into her darkness and killed gaston so she gives the dagger back to rumple she's like well guess the darkness always wins and rumple's like it's okay because our child is safe now And Hades is like, okay, that's so not the deal we made. Yeah, the deal we made was, you let one of these dudes kill the other one, I don't have your baby. And then you went and you killed one of the dudes yourself. That's like the definition of interfering. (laughs) You could not have possibly interfered more. And also, this was not my plan. This wasn't on me at all. This was all you. Yeah, Belle, you got a dark streak, girl. I'm digging it. But also, I'm taking your baby. Rumpel's like, don't listen to him. He wanted this to happen the whole time. And Hades is like, how am I the bad guy here? I mean, I know I'm the The bad bad guy. guy. But like, seriously, you're the one who shoved him into the death river. And then Hades sees another flower growing out of a crack in the concrete, but it shrivels up and dies. Because Belle's hopelessness is physically manifesting by killing the flowers that the hope... Yeah, killing Gaston killed her hope, I guess. So, back at Granny's diner, a waitress drops off something under one of those things. A dome? A dome. Uh, Do they not have, like, a fancy name, or...? I'm pretty sure she's called a dome. But... Actually, they probably do have a French name. You know, when you serve food and it's underneath a dome. And... Zelina's like, I didn't order anything. And the waitress is like, I wasn't paid for lines, so I'm just going to leave. So Zelina lifts up the dome and it's the dead flower from Hades to show his love. God, Zelina is like the worst kind of person if you're in the service industry because she's just sitting at this diner not ordering anything. I was thinking that when the waitress brings her the dome and she says, I didn't order anything. I'm like, then bitch, why are you camping out eating into her tips? But also, she's an evil rapist slash murderer, so... Yeah, on the scale of evil things, this is, I guess, fairly low. A little little less evil. Back in the woods, they're hunting the weird monster thing that was coming after Mary Margaret. And Regina and Emma use their powers combined to take it down. Yep, they just kind of point at it and it falls over, and it turns out it's a giant wolf. Oh, hey, don't we know a person who's a giant wolf? Which Mary Margaret points out, and she happens to have the cloak that turns the wolf from a wolf into ruby it's ruby ruby's back yay why was ruby hunting why Why, why did ruby attack snow white i don't know never addressed yeah we're gonna talk about that more next episode which With with a with an actual werewolf expert yes we got a special guest for the next episode also, also, we recorded uh, the next episode several weeks ago, which is why we may address things we have addressed since. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. That was recorded a little bit out of order, but it, sh- it should still be fun. It's a fun episode, I think. I might not be objective here. I do really like Ruby Slippers. It is Ruby Slippers is a glimmer of light in this dark, dark season. That is certainly one interpretation of that episode. What should the show have been instead? All right. So this episode should have been just more Rumple, Belle, and Hades. I don't think they should have brought Gaston back. 
If they were going to bring Gaston back, they shouldn't have made him turn out to be evil. Yes. That's... They should have brought Gaston back as Hades showing Belle. I think this should uh, this whole episode should have been Hades showing Belle why she can't trust Rumpelstiltskin, and Gaston should have been the impetus for that. And if the whole point was for Belle to feel hopeless, it should have been about her helping him move on, and then at the last moment, he gets sent to the bad place. At the last moment, Hades does something to get Rumpel to send him to the bad place. Exactly. Again, this should have been a greatest hits of why Belle can't love Rumpel. This should have been Gaston. This should have been the fairy he killed to get that wand. There's so many people you could have brought back to show Belle why she can't trust Rumpel. The problem is, this show is still hedging its bets about whether or not Rumpel and Belle are going to get together. So they keep trying to make him not that bad. That's why they didn't deal with the fact that he killed Mila when Mila showed up. And that's why they had to make Gaston evil to retroactively make it okay that he killed Gaston. Mm. Like when they had that episode with uh, Mulan to clarify that that guard that Hook killed was actually a super evil dude. So you wouldn't feel bad about the fact that Hook killed a guy for no reason. Yeah, exactly like that. Even though, let's be clear, from Hook's point of view and from Rumpel's point of view when he killed Gaston... They had no idea these people were evil. Mm. But apparently intention has nothing to do with whether something's dark or light. Yeah, if you kill a person, no matter what your motivations were, if that person was evil, it was a good act. Unless you're Mary Margaret that one time. Sure. I mean, we haven't heard Boo about her heart being dark since, I guess, the Frozen season. And now she split it with David, so who even knows? So, Fashion Corner. I, I have re- nothing. Really, I really liked Belle's riding outfit she had in this. Oh, I really hated it. Huh. Yeah, I thought it looked, um... Ann Taylor Loft, but... No, I like Ann Taylor Loft. I thought it looked... I thought it looked Liz Claiborne. Okay, it's it's a sort of teal overcoat with a brown leather collar. And it's got white flower vine detailing around the collar that I just... It was too much. It was too ticky-tacky. Yeah, I guess it is a lot of stuff. It's also got kind of puff sleeves. It's a lot of look, as Tim Gunn would say. So I think that's it for this episode. Uh, yeah. That'll about do it for Her Handsome Hero. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you would like to become one of those patrons, you can go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines, and click on our Patreon link. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can also rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire